<laughs> so we poured the tang into the radiator. <gasps> this podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman IV. Hi, I'm Dan Jerkins. Hey, I'm Duffy Wynn. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comics Podcast, Season 12, Episode 16. I have your hosts with me, Ian, and they are Steph and Theo. Hola. Hola. So, today we have some excellent comic reviews as we get into Joker War, and we also have a little bit of news to go through but before we get started with that i just wanted to ask my fellow co-hosts what are you reading or watching these days oh does it have to be dc related I absolutely not reading, <laughs> i just finished reading the uh howl's moving castle trilogy by oh nice Dan something diana wynn jones yeah yeah <laughs> I, it was audiobook, so I didn't get to see her name every time I picked it up. But uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I was surprised to find out that Hal was Welsh. <laughs> he was from modern day Wales. That was fun. That's not what you see in the Miyazaki movie. Um, Even yeah. though Christian Bale is Welsh. <laughs> he didn't have a Welsh accent in the film. But yeah, that was cute. And I'm also reading a manga called Princess Jellyfish that I put on hold while I read Hal's Moving Castle. And then I am watching a show called The Disastrous Life of Psyche K, and it's hilarious. I think I lose five pounds every time I watch it because I laugh so much. It's fabulous. And then I'm watching something called Erased with my husband, but we take a long time to watch shows together. So outside of my Batman-related stuff uh, that's particular to Damien, since I'm working on a piece for the site, I am also reading... The Resistance by J. Michael Frizinski, which is um, from the Upshot comic line. I am also reading Odeo by Fire, which is by uh, uh, one of my favorite Civil War writers, James McPherson. As far as TV is concerned, I recently watched The Old Guard uh, with Charlize Theron. How was that? Oh, it was very good. Was it was it? Yeah, it was very good. Um, definitely sets things up for a sequel. Highly, highly recommend it. So if you haven't watched it yet, please do so. And then uh, I actually turned my girlfriend on to watching uh, Raisin Dion on Netflix as well, which is 
based on another comic book. So she's hooked on that. So I'm going through that season with her again uh, before I go into season two of Doom Patrol on DCU. Very cool. I am listening to the Sandman Audible drama by Dirk Maggs from the comics by Neil Gaiman. And that's uh, really fun. I've mostly been reading comics on DC Universe. So I read, oh shoot, what was the first arc of Legends of the Dark Knight by Denny O'Neill? That was Shaman. 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 Yeah, I read Shaman for the first time. And we've been doing some rereads on various servers. So I've been rereading Stephanie Brown's Batgirl series, which I've been doing for three months, but I'm going to keep doing that for a while. <laughs> is, is, that, is that on DCU? Oh, uh, yeah. I need to do that because I... I, I I've gotten a few trades from Amazon, but I, I said that I would really, because based on your recommendation, I really have gained an appreciation for her relationship with my boy Damien. So <laughs> oh, yeah, you definitely got to check those issues out. I'm going to read more of that. And I, and I read those issues already, but I want to read more of the series. You know, because again, I, I've always thought that he and, and Dick had probably the best relationship as brothers but seeing him and 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 stuff together is just hilarious at best (laughs) it really is i'm also doing a reread of uh, the long halloween um also did a reread of year one batman year one there's a lot of year ones i'm rereading uh whose body a mystery novel by dorothy l sayers I was playing a lot of Star Wars The Old Republic, but I kind of finished <laughs> up most of what I wanted to do and haven't played in a little bit. Well, see, she didn't, you didn't mention video games. If you'd have said video games... Oh, well, but you guys I, watch TV, and I watch no TVs. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would have easily said I'm, I'm, I'm making my way through Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, nice. Very cool. I'm playing Borderlands pre-sequel with Hubby, and that's been a lot of fun. He, he he gets killed a lot by me by accident, and I get killed by me by accident, too. <laughs> so it sounds like you have a high kill count, but it's all friendly fire. <laughs> it's all friendly fire. Well, friendly explosions. I don't think you can actually shoot each other, but if you hit a uh, barrel full of chemicals near your friend, they will die. <laughs> well, it sounds like we're all keeping busy outside of our, um, our Batman duties. Um, speaking of which, let's move a little bit to the news section. October solicitations are out, so we have some news that affects our greater universe of titles quite a bit. Red Hood and the Outlaws is either switching creative teams or ending completely. It's unclear. Batgirl and Batman and the Outsiders are both ending in October. We got one of the covers for Detective Comics 1027 featuring Batman and Batwoman by Art Germ. Theo and I both think it's great. I'm definitely buying that one. We got the Batman 100 wraparound cover by Jorge Jimenez. And it's interesting. What did you guys think of this cover? I love it. I love it. So for our audio listeners, the the (laughs) cover has, it's a wraparound. So it's both sides. And the right-hand side is Batman and the Bat family in his cape. And the left-hand side is Joker and many of the villains in the tails of his coat. And they're both running towards the viewer. Um, I thought the choice of villains and heroes is very interesting. The choice seems very much like the the villains and heroes seen on the cover 
of Batman number 85, the end of Tom King's run, both of the heroes and the villains, because mm. Tynan is not using Bane at all, but he's very large in this cover. So I think I've read that this is sort of a celebration of all 100 issues of Batman rather than just what Tynan is doing, which I think is kind of cool, although a little odd for the writer. Yeah, they're also using uh, question mark Chess Riddler. And Psycho Pirate and Flashpoint Batman and <laughs> Armpit Punchline. <laughs> Poor girl. <laughs> She's in his pun- armpit. Looks like a good combination of characters. We have Nightwing. That is fun. Is that a foreshadowing or is that looking at the past? Well, <laughs> and we uh, all know that Nightwing's coming back in uh, 75 and that's directly related to Joker War. So I'm pretty sure that at least is just the way things should have been for the last year and a half. Damien is there, so let's hope he has a bigger role. Wow, Catwoman's armpit is just really there. I didn't realize the gap was that big. <laughs> That's a lot of armpit. Anyway, and then we got what's her name? Hawk, Hawk, Huntress? Huntress. Huntress. I know superheroes. She hasn't been this, this at all. Maybe she'll show up before 100. I would love it because she's my second favorite character, but I am afraid that Huntress has just not been used for like two years now. <laughs> I mean, she was featured in Tom King's Batman run, but he didn't really give her much to do. Yeah, she was there for, like, photo ops. <laughs> and it's interesting they have Tim in a Robin suit and not they the do. Drake suit. Ooh, I like that. I don't understand what DC's doing in terms of, like, <laughs> costumes and all this stuff. It, it confuses me. Ian, DC doesn't know what they're doing <laughs> you are 100 percent correct as we will talk about in our patreon cast you should definitely subscribe to our patreon because we're going to be talking about that later on other news we got the variant cover no i think it actually might be the main cover for batman 101 which features the Wildstorm character of grifter who is brought into the main dc universe in the new 52 but hasn't really been used that much since his short-lived solo that so I think it's going to be kind of cool to see Grifter and Batman working together. He's a James Tynan has said it's a, a distinct story reason that they decided to use that character. So hopefully it won't just be showing up and then doesn't do anything cool. Sort of like Huntress, as I mentioned before. Um, they did release one of the variants for 100, though. It was the... Uh... Yeah, I don't really want to talk about that till we get to Batman, because that's going to be one of the big discussion questions. Shutting up, then. <laughs> yeah, because I think we all have thoughts about that, but we want our listeners to be in suspense. So, uh, to relieve some of that suspense, let's get started with our reviews. Theo made the excellent suggestion of doing Detective Comics first, because chronologically, it definitely happens before... Uh, Batman this week. So let's get started with Detective Comics number 1024. Detective Comics 1024, written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by Brad Walker. Batman stands to face off with Lincoln Marchant and the Army of Talons. As they approach him, Batman attempts to reach Harvey's side of Two-Face, reminding him of how the Joker manipulated him. As Two-Face's followers enter the armory, Batman asks Harvey 
to choose a side. Harvey responds by firing at the Talons. As the battle rages on, little does Batman know that the Joker is listening and watching everything through Lincoln March's mask. He's reveling in the chaos he's created, even as Batman gets his best in from Lincoln March's attack. As Two-Face and his followers continue their battle with the other Talons, Batman reminds him that the assailants are already dead. This causes Two-Face to unleash a barrage of gunfire from the rookie prototype he still occupied. The Joker decides to tilt the scale some. He sets off the mind implants that are in the heads of some of the church members, incapacitating them. The fight between Batman and Lincoln March continues. Batman gets the upper hand and with one crack knocks the talon mask from March's head, revealing that he's been infected with the Joker toxin. Breaking the mask also breaks the Joker's visual link to see the ongoing battle, but he maintains an audio link and gives March one final order to take Batman out. March lunges on top of Batman and begins ferociously pounding him. Batman has had enough. He blasts March with an ice weapon taken from Mr. Freeze. The other talents, however, are starting to overtake Two-Face and the Church of the Two. Batman urges them to push the talents his way. Two-Face, on the other hand, has his own plan. He tells his followers to get out, and he unleashes a huge final barrage of missiles into the horde of talents, blowing them and some of his straggling followers away. As the smoke clears, Vice and Versa searches for Two-Face. As Versa approaches Two-Face, Two-Face grabs him by the neck, accusing him of betrayal. Before he can do anything treacherous, however, the prototype suit locks up. Confused as to what happened, Two-Face asks Versa what he do to him. Batman appears behind him, stating that he shut the suit down. He needs Two-Face and Mobile so he can perform surgery. Batman explains how he convinced Hugo Strange to give him the equipment needed to remove the bullet from Harvey's brain. He sanitizes the room, syncs up the endoscope with the visor in his cowl, and proceeds to slowly remove the device from Two-Face's brain. As Batman continues to work, the Joker continues his monologue, saying that Batman will have to choose which side of his duality he will kill. Batman grabs the bullet with the endoscope. Harvey Dent returns. At Blackgate Prison, Harvey Dent sits in the cell, giving legal advice to an inmate seeking, seeking help. In fact, a line has formed of inmates looking to meet the former Gotham DA turned prison lawyer. This doesn't apply to Dent's next visitor, who claims Dent put him away some time ago. Harvey states he's not that guy anymore, nor is he the mob boss Two-Face, who the visitor remembers working for a while back. Harvey just wants to help guys who received a raw deal. Dent's visitor comments that being on both sides of the law is a skill that could help many of the inmates. As the visitor gets up to leave, he places a used bullet on Harvey's cell door. The visitor, Madges Malone, says that the bullet is a gift from the friend. 
Our issue ends with Batman swinging away from the prison with matches in tow. So, what do you think of the ending of this arc, this prologue to Joker War slash Two-Face arc? Uh, I don't know. I'm glad we got away from the cult thing, so that was good. <laughs> I just really feel like it was just a way of shoehorning in Joker with no real reason. Like, a lot of this just didn't have any reason or point. And I am not one to say that. I always kind of rolled my eyes when when Dustin would say that. Because, <laughs> like, not every story has to have a point, man. Good grief. But this one, I'm just a little lost about why we read this. Because, like, as I predicted, Lincoln March's role, I had, there was no reason. It, it could have been Joe Schmo, talent number 573. It didn't matter that it was Lincoln March. It it's, didn't matter that there was a cult. I mean, I guess it's kind of cute seeing... Not cute. Precious. <laughs> I like seeing Harvey being humanized. I like that he's no longer under Joker's control. I, I did like that. I, I liked that this is a... This is a Harvey at the end. It's a Harvey that I like better than anything we've gotten so far. But other than that, I, I just didn't like it all that much. So I'm going to go and continue to say that if this arc was standalone, not described as a prelude to Joker War. It's 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 more enjoyable, at least for me. Like Steph, I, I, I am happy with how things turned out with Harvey. As a matter of fact, I kind of feel I called it a while back when I when I mentioned, you know, I was hoping that by the end of it all, the notion of using Harvey as a pawn for Joker would be rectified, you know, and, and he would get a little bit of, of revenge. And he did so in, in taking out the talons and, and ruining the plan. But based on what we know with regards to the Joker's plan in Joker War, this it 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 does not seem like a prelude at all to the to the event uh if it was standalone i would enjoy it much much more but not 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 as a part of not not being a tie-in quote unquote to to joker war i i tend to agree i think that joker is not talking about the plans he has that we see executed in either their dark designs or in Joker war, which means that this just feels like another Joker story. It doesn't have any necessary connection to what's happening in Joker war. So even though they're linked by the fact that they're both about Joker, that makes it even more difficult to figure out what's going on with why is Joker have these two different plans when one of them is so elaborate? I mean, they're both pretty elaborate. I mean, he has to have this mind control thing and Joker's really into mind control right now because he's doing it in three different titles. He's mind controlling Harvey over here. He's mind controlling uh, Rick or Dick in Nightwing and he's mind con he's body controlling Barbara and Batgirl and none of them are connected to each other. It's, it's just really disconnected that Joker's doing 
all these things at the same time. <laughs> that being said, I 100% agree with you guys about the way Harvey himself ended up. I liked seeing Harvey, you know, Bruce fixes Harvey's brain and now he's more Harvey and he just wants to help people. Like, that was a cool twist and I think it'd be nice if we saw this last. I think it probably won't, but it'd be cool if this became a status quo in Tomasi's run where he's got Harvey as like a man on the inside of whatever prison that is. Blackie. Is it Black Eye? Okay, yeah. I mean, I remember the, the the Batman Eternal when Jim Gordon was the man on the inside. So that gives me warm feelings inside because I, I think everyone <laughs> knows I love Batman Eternal. Um, we have a couple more questions. Do you think that Batman hears Joker's dialogue through the battle? Is he is Joker transmitting to Batman or are we just aware of that as the audience? I think we're just aware of it as the audience because again it, it doesn't make any sense not that dc cares but <laughs> it would just make even less sense and just be infuriating if in batman they thought joker was dead and in a coffin underground and in detective comics the week prior he finds out that joker's very much alive and it's all not sunshine and roses but you know Prank flowers and whatever. Anyway, no. I just for just for logistics, I just don't see that there's any way that he could have heard Joker talking. Of course, now he saw that someone was Jokerified, so he knows he's involved somehow. So the only thing that would make me, and this would actually cause me to come up with this question, is there's the one panel once he finishes pulling the bullet out of Harvey's brain where the mask, like a mask is there next to him and he smashes it right before the Joker breaks out into laughter. So it's almost as if he hears what's going on, but he's ignoring it while he's going through the, the procedure. And then as he finishes it, he, smashes it almost as if saying shut up you know but i'm pretty sure he doesn't but it's just that one panel uh towards the end where he sm- he he steps on it right before joker breaks out into that last that last laugh saying oh this it's pure entertainment that kind of make you wonder whether or not he actually heard part of what's going on because it's close enough to where, you know, it could possibly be heard. But I don't know. It Probably not, but still makes you wonder. So next question, which we've already sort of answered. Was this overall arc a true prelude to Joker War or something else? No, this was someone probably told Tomasi, you got to tell a Joker story where Joker's got a big, crazy, stupid plan, but Batman can't ever know that Joker is involved. So you can do whatever you want. That's that's what I think. And it's a cheap way to make people. I don't know what people, (laughs) but to trick people into thinking that this is a tie in when it's not because it has nothing to do with anything. Unless I see a Talon show up in Batman, I am going to just. Yeah, that's that's what I think. Unless we see that, it's just marketing. Which we probably want, since Which they were blown as smithereens <laughs> or frozen. No, this, this 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 wasn't a prelude, and you know, 
don't get I don't I don't want to I don't want to go back to our last episode and it's just uh, it's just bad. It's just yeah, we just slap the title on there, you know. Yeah, we're gonna call it the prelude. No, it's not a prelude. I think all like of us are prelude. Yeah. Well the wedding preludes actually did tie into Batman number forty eight and forty nine though. Like it was a direct connection narratively. But but here's but here's the thing about the preludes. The preludes weren't tied into any other of the other going issues. They were separate books. That's true. There were separate books that one person wrote that had a direct connection to Tom King being Tim Seeley. And they messed up the Tom King story, but they didn't mess anyone else's story up. Right. Yeah. This, nah. And and the closest to the tie-ins, preludes, whatever the hell that DC wants to call it, that, that comes close to being tied to what's going on in Batman. It's not Detective. It's actually Nightwing. That's very true. Which, again, become a patron and you can hear our thoughts on what's going on in Nightwing today. I completely agree. This is this is why I wish they would go back to the way they used to do crossovers. And they have done them recently with something like Night of the Monster Men or uh, Robin War, where you have a bunch of people who all get together and they plan the story together and then they each write chapters of it. And that does mean that it, it feels like a bunch of people wrote different chapters of something, but that's what a TV show is. I don't see why it can't work for a comic book series or, or crossover. So I just think that this is a very poorly edited and conceived idea of trying to bring the Bat family together. And I think one of the reasons we're so disappointed is because we were promised that it would get more cohesive. And this is not cohesive. Do you think we've seen the last of Two-Face as a menace to Batman? If so, what's his new role in the Batman universe? I... Mm. Well, he's stuck at Blackgate. Unless he gets out for good behavior and does some, like, private PI stuff, but he's a lawyer, so that wouldn't really make sense. Never forget I said that. (laughs) But... I mean, unless he becomes a freelance lawyer, which I don't think exists, I don't really know what he would do. I mean, I'd like him to do something that would be really cool, but I just don't know what his role would be. Well, Harvey has gone through treatment and even had his face repaired. I think during Hush, he was, I can't remember what his job was, but he was quote unquote fixed or cured. And of but course, even in that book, he hardly had anything to do. He showed up once and was like, I might be hush, blah, ha, ha, and then he wasn't. And that was basically it. <laughs> yep. And of course, he went right back to being Two-Face again because that's yeah. too much. I, I, I think there is no chance that this is a permanent status quo. I mean, we just saw James Tynan had Clayface be on the Bat family for two whole years. And then Tom King did reference him in Batman in the last arc of City of Bane. But... It's almost certain that he's going to be a villain again soon. So, but at least with Clayface, what you've got like five Clayfaces to choose from if you need a villain. So, but there's only but one. they always go for the one. They always go for the one. They always use Basil Carlo because of the animation. Well, no, remember series. they worked up the girl, the lady Clayface. She was pretty prominent as a baddie in Got, Detective uh, Gotham City Mount. 
Gotham City Monsters. Oh man, My- I did not read that, so I didn't realize she was in that. Yes, she was. I didn't read that either. Was she interesting in it? <laughs> she she was a loner. Uh, <laughs> in she was a loner who sent out who sent out parts of her essence, her clay, to different parts of the city. And, and the reason why she really became even more of a loner because, was because one of these pieces uh, were actually, was actually killed uh, as a part of a massacre. So it was like a piece of her died. And uh, that, that death was uh, reflected throughout most of the miniseries. It's um, actually a really interesting were, idea. I'm kind of intrigued. Yeah, it, it it was it was a it was a decent take. You know, she she she, and I'm trying to think back because again, uh, monsters finished a while back. Um, she felt the debt as it occurred. You know, and you know this this piece of her uh, died in the theater as as others were dying as well as um, uh, Mermot. Uh, took their life essence away from them, uh, but she definitely felt that 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 it occurred and it affected her, you know, to the point it affected her emotionally. But of course, led to her wanting revenge as well. So, when does this story take place? Wait, wait, wait! I don't get my answer. Oh, sorry, I thought you did. <laughs> um, no, we're we're not going to keep this this two face. For a while, and I think at most it'll be during Tomasi's run. Yeah, you know, because simply because DC doesn't like us to have nice things, <laughs> they 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 tell us we will, and then they right before they give it to us, they yank it back, or they cover it in cayenne pepper and bees, and then say this is tasty. Yeah, we saw it with Clayface. We saw it with the wedding. We'll 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 get it. We'll get it with this as well. So when do you think this story takes place with respect to the current Batman title? In an alternate universe. (laughs) (laughs) Steph with the salt. Same time. (laughs) It's the week after, actually. Well, because, all right. So I was reading Batgirl because I had to for today. (laughs) And in it, it happens to mention, like, Joker's like, last night. I probed Lucius Fox's brain. So that happens after. <laughs> Not that that helps me answer your question. <laughs> I don't know. The week before, so that he has the time to nap and get ready to go do things. I don't know. I don't care. Does it matter? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter because it's not related in any way. I swear I did not have any alcohol today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just a little silly thinking about this. I can't use my real brain to think about it. And and Steph says it it doesn't matter, but it's supposed to matter. And I'm about to get on my soapbox again because (laughs) I have absolutely zero clue as to when this takes place. Other than the fact that it obviously happens before issue 95, because it's obvious that by the time we get into Tynan's 
prelude up to Joker War. Batman doesn't have any clue that Joker's around. However, we know Joker's been in Gotham because he simply takes him out, you know, take out this plan with, with, with Harvey and Lincoln March. So it's, it's obvious that it has to be at some point before Tynan's run, Tynan's prelude leading up to uh, Joker War and, you know, with Dark Design. But how much, how much time? I have no clue. And, and it's, Bruce doesn't have a clue either because he couldn't put two, to, two together to say, okay, I just finished dealing with Joker and now all of a sudden here's the designer and, oh, wait, it's the Joker too. <laughs> hmm. No clue. No clue. DC, throw us a bone. Give us, help us out, please. I think this clearly happens before number 86, the start of their dark designs, the prelude to Joker War. Now, when we get to the Batman title, I think not more than a week has passed between 94 and 95. And I don't, this clearly doesn't take place during a time where Lucius has been captured and the Joker has taken over Wayne Enterprise. This is still a mm-hmm. Batman who's in charge of Wayne Enterprises. Mm-hmm. So it has to be before that. And all of his dark design takes place in one night. So it has to be before that too. So I'm inclined to say about a week before number 86 of Batman. Because Batman does need his naps. Yep. (laughs) Final question. How do you think about how Tomasi is handling the major villains? This is the second major status quo change uh, Tomasi's made in his run. The first one with Freeze being frozen and his wife, Nora, becoming Mrs. Freeze, the evil bad guy, after Freeze helps Batman. And now we have Two-Face having surgery done so that Harvey is more in control and he's trying to do good again. So do you think this is an intentional pattern by Tomasi? Do you think it's going somewhere specific? Or do you think it's just something that's sort of the way he's feeling the stories right now? Well, if you're going off of where we start versus where we end up, we start with Mr. Freeze, just as he always is, and we end with him being the victim, in a sense, and his wife being now the crazy. And with Two-Face, you start with him being even more, it's almost three-face because Joker's in his head. And you end up with uh, an amalgamation sort of of Harvey and Two-Face are now sort of-ish a a new one person. In that sense, I think he's doing interesting things that I think you could do something with. But I don't know if I've enjoyed the journey so much. It's been a bit of a a painful journey, actually. (laughs) So uh, I think he has just so much potential. And we know he can do amazing things. But I just, I don't know. I haven't been enjoying the ride. Even though the end result is is a product you could do something with. He could do something with. He is doing things, for better or worse, that allows the story to continue at some point in time. So we know that at some point, Nora's going to become a menace again. Uh, Bruce is going to have to rely on Victor to help take her down. It's, it's going to happen. Now, whether or not it happens in Tomasi's run, we don't know. Um, we 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 see 
now Harvey being more humanized, so he's now the second he's now the second of Batman Rogues who's been humanized, you know, Victor saying, you know, I only did this because I love my wife and now we see Harvey helping prisoners. So maybe maybe Tomasi's plan is to humanize all of the rogues gallery before they all get zapped by something and go full crazy mode on Batman again. Um, it's interesting in the fact that, you know, it leaves the door open for a follow-up story for each. Um, I just don't know if I will be around for it uh, because mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, as, as Steph mentioned, you know, I'm a big fan of Tomasi. Um, was overly excited when he was announced to be taken over detective. And I have been woefully disappointed with where things are going. Uh, we're, we're, we're still trying to see what Tomasi's Batman is about. You know, it, it's, it's not the Batman that's in Tynan's run hell. It's not even the Batman from any of his previous runs. Yeah, it doesn't feel like his Batman and Robin Batman. It it doesn't feel like Batman and Robin at all. So um, I'm still wondering where Tomasi is is bringing us. And, you know, whether he knows or not where that where that's going. Hey, it's 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 in his head, but it's it, it hasn't been. It hasn't been a great road. It hasn't been a, a great ride thus far, uh, but I'm still holding out hope. Yeah, I think um, I'm hoping that is part of an overall plan. Unless it could either be like a, a really overall plan where he's having all these cults and all these villains turning sort of good as an intentional thing. Or that's just sort of what's on his mind and it comes out as he's writing. But I'd prefer to think it was the first. Um, but we have no idea how long he's planning on being on the title or if he has an on a long-term plan or what. But I guess we'll just have to keep seeing. And if you keep listening to Batman Universe, you will find out because we're going to keep covering it. Let's give our ratings. I mean, for- it, 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 it has to change. I mean, because if, if not, I mean, and he keeps reforming all of the rogues gallery there won't be a rogues gallery anymore very true so let's give our ratings for detective comics 1024 i like that it's over (laughs) i like that harvey is better two and a half two and a half bullets to the head (laughs) on the site i gave it three batarangs not bullets to the head this arc could have been a four, but because they because they felt they had to tie it with Joker War, which it wasn't. Uh, yeah, you drop you drop a full point for me. So three. I'm also going to give it a three out of five. I was a little less underwhelmed. I guess I didn't have as high expectations, so I'm not quite as let down. But I mean, the art was strong. Brad Walker's still not entirely my taste of art for Batman. I, I prefer him on Aquaman. I really liked that arc he did. 
So yeah, three out of five, a little above average. That gives the overall score a three out of five. Let's uh, move on to our call for reviews. We'd love to hear what you think about this episode. Comment on the most recent episode page at thebatmanuniverse.net, on our Discord server, our Twitter, on Stitcher, or on iTunes, and we'll read your comment on air next time. On Stitcher, click on the stars to the left, then click on Write a Review. On iTunes, you got to go into your iTunes app, and it'll give you a chance to review it. We hope that you enjoy it, and of course we'd prefer the, the highest rating, five stars, but we want honest feedback from you, so just let us know what you think. All right, let's move on to our Batman number 95 review. Batman number 95 by James Tynan IV, illustrated by Jorge Jimenez. Just after year one, Batman drives the Batmobile furiously as he and Alfred discuss their first war against the Joker, and what the Joker wants. As the car bursts through the gate, we transition to the present as the Joker's thugs pursue the Batmobile, and news broadcasts explain the extent of Joker's control over Wayne Industries. The thugs report to Punchline that they've only destroyed another shell, Batman still evading them. She continues torturing Lucius Fox for Bruce's secrets, but he refuses. Joker, meanwhile, buys the Monarch Theater, monologuing about what people want. His lawyer, Harlan Graves, confronts a defiant Commissioner Harvey Bullock, then drives to City Hall. The Batman has replaced his driver in disguise. Climbing up the skyscraper, Batman confronts Punchline in one of his secret micro-caves, and she sews him a mysterious new batsuit he doesn't recognize. However, she also reveals that she's poisoned the atmosphere. Batman flees, hallucinating Alfred's voice, and one of the Batplanes fires directly on his location in the building. So, what are your reactions to this, the opening of Joker War? A bleak. Uh, man, if you thought him bleeding on the office floor with all his compatriots being stabbed was bad like this is this is pretty pretty bleak who knows how he's going to get out of it maybe some new bat gadget that he has it is this was eerily similar to other stories that we we've seen before yeah very very it seems like the war is over already with uh, the Batwing uh, blasting through uh, Wayne Enterprises. So uh, uh, it, it it was okay. Uh, no no complaints, but it, it, eerily similar to other stories that I've seen that I've read before. We'll get to some of those stories in uh, the next question, but I would definitely echo that. My other thing is, maybe it's just because I know that Tynan dropped a, a picture of Batman and Harley sort of interacting. So I thought that was going to be in this issue, but I felt like not a whole lot happens. Mm-hmm. Part of it is the the flashback takes a lot of time, so he's setting up, you know... Batman and Joker in the past and Batman and Joker in the present. That's kind of Tynan's thing. If you've ever, if you've read Batman Eternal and Batman and Robin Eternal, he really loves that structure 
He that he did that a lot in his detective comics run too. He also spends a lot of time with Joker monologuing when he buys Batman the the theater outside of which Batman's parents were killed. So it's just there's a lot of talking and thematic exploration, but not a whole lot happens. At least that's how it felt to me. The art was fantastic. I thought it was one of the most beautiful issues we've seen in a long time. Definitely since, you know, the last him and his issue we saw, which I think was uh, like 90 or 91. Huge, huge fan of Jimenez, and I'm very glad that he's getting this crossover, so he'll get a lot of exposure. I hope that a lot of people will go check out his previous work. Of course, um, Steph and Theo will point you at Super Sons, where he did a great job, mm-hmm. but I would also say check out his work on Smallville Season 11. It's a fantastic arc that he started with Wonder Woman. He actually introduced Wonder Woman to Superman in that arc. So our first discussion question is, even apart from the similarities to James Tynan's teacher, Scott Snyder's Death of the Family and Endgame, doesn't the way this book sets up feel eerily similar to City of Bane? I mean, I guess a little bit. I think City of Bane just was a little more fun. Because all the rogues were involved. Like, yes, there was a big bad, but there was just, no, there was little flavors and tastes of things everywhere. There was something fun or something interesting or something you enjoyed reading. (laughs) Which sounds like if I juxtapose that, I'll say I didn't enjoy this one. But this one, like you said, it's just so much Joker monologue. It's sad, sad Lucius being joker they better rescue lucius soon that man is a hero the flashback which i just didn't understand why we were getting that i didn't get it uh yeah i mean as i said i think it's really just tynan's flash he likes doing that (laughs) yeah but uh, yeah like but what what did it do for the story you know i mean maybe overall it will do something but in this issue I just didn't feel like it added anything. And then I just, I don't like seeing no hope. So I don't, I didn't like all of the, the civilians in the Monarch theater with their jokerized faces like that. I didn't highlights why I hate Joker. (laughs) It just seems a little more hopeless and not as much fun in the hopelessness as Joker War, not Joker War, as City of Bane. Because at least, I don't know. I felt like with, with Batman having Catwoman on his side and and there being so many rogues to fight, it just seemed a little more fun, even though, you know, it was still serious business. This one is just kind of creepy and <laughs> and hopeless and Catwoman's not here and it just makes me sad. Yeah, Steph makes a, a, a great point that this is this is far less funny than City of Bane, yeah. City of Bane was fun, especially those those initial issues. You know, th- there was some funny stuff going on. Whether it's whether it's uh, Bullock tied up in the uh, in the police station, uh, topless. Uh, whether it's whether it's Riddler and, and gang uh, playing cops. Uh, that was fun. This. Th- yeah, bleak bleak is is bleak is a good word to use. Um I find myself this was probably more towards uh death of the family, uh closer to 
Batman Internal closer to Hush from the standpoint of of tone. Um, you know, with the bleakness of it all. Um, City of Bane was just it had action, but it was also fun. There were there were fun tidbits throughout that that I enjoyed. Um, you know, and some of those examples I've already mentioned. So similar, but not interesting. Because obviously, since I'm the one who wrote this question, I thought it was really striking. Just because Batman has just suffered a major defeat in his dark their dark designs and then in the fallen of the fallen he'd also had a big defeat against uh his father or his alternate universe father and then it cuts to the villains are in charge of gotham again and it just felt really deja vu to me i can't completely explain it because of course lots of different stuff happened i mean joker is trying to seize control through quote-unquote legitimate means Whereas Bane used mind control, like he literally just used Psycho Pirate to mind control everybody. But I think it's like you said, there's so many stories that sound and have this setup. Like we just have to be okay with there is nothing new under the sun. <laughs> I guess so. It just stories. seems like right afterwards, you know, we're we're like seven months later and Gotham's completely under control of Joker this time. Again. <laughs> but, 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 and the other thing that we had with City of Bane is we had we had several issues where Batman wasn't in Gotham. You know, we we he was he was in the mountain he was on the mountaintop with, with Selena. Uh he was recuperating in Paris. He was on the beach and having fun, you know, training himself up, you know, and Bane ruled Gotham, you know, and again, it was fun seeing, the, you know, the Keystone cops of, of Riddler and Joker just having fun with each other as they terrorized citizens and, you know, killing dogs for whatever reason. You know, and this we we, we, we jump right in and Batman's trying to to win and and of course he gets taken out. Um I don't know. Definitely some similarities, but not. Totally fair. Um, That's why we have different perspectives, because you can tell me when I'm wrong. Uh, Joker has this meta monologue in the theater about how people say they want something new, but they really want the familiar. They want to try and peel back the skin of the familiar to see if there's something we missed the first time. Do you agree with Joker? Or do you think that we do actually want to see something new? I think old cells. I mean, we wouldn't be in this remake, not vintage, what's the word? Nostalgic atmosphere if, if, you know, new stuff sold. So obviously people are comfortable, they are comfortable with, with the old, and then they like to complain about how the new is not the same or whatever. Uh, but... I think when when the new is really good, I think people are just in a search for something interesting. Like, I think our hunger for media and our hunger to be entertained is growing more and more insatiable. And so and more and more picky, we're becoming more and more opinionated. And so I think as just as a society, we want something that is new. And so when we're not getting that, we get 
the old that has been reimagined and that's something. And so we, we are just sitting around waiting for the next amazing new thing. And then we just poo poo everything else. I think the Joker should shut up. <laughs> um, seriously, ser- one of the things, you know, if there's one thing that I do hate about the Joker, especially when they use him too much, is when they try to make him too smart, too philosophical. We 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 understand that he is a psychopath. We understand that he is a genius. But just let him kill. You know, tell his crazy jokes and 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 kill people and get caught. Um, you know, we kind of saw it in Detective as well when he's saying. Batman is going to have to decide which of his two sides he's going to have to kill. And what? Just be his arch nemesis and get it over with. Yeah, just shut up and be the Joker. You know, and and this hasn't always been the Joker, but this has kind of been the Joker we've gotten since Snyder. You know, this this philosophical psychopath who has to have reason for being. And I'm not crazy about that. I'm not sure where I stand on this. Because I think Tynan's definitely talking about himself here. Uh, Tynan clearly loves creating new characters. He helped create Harper Rowe. He helped create Calvin Rose, the Talon. He, let's see, what did he do? He created Mother. He... Punchline. Yeah, well, I was getting there. And recently (laughs) he's created Punchline and he's created Clown Hunter and Ghostmaker and the designer... He loves to create new characters. And a lot of people have been kind of annoyed because he is doing it a lot. But I would also say he loves classic stuff. He does pay homage. He, he respects things. Like last issue, he had Batman and Catwoman called each other Bat and Cat. You know, he clearly referenced Tom King's run when he didn't have to. And he used, you know, classic villains like Deathstroke, Penguin, Cheshire... Uh, Riddler and that other guy. Oh, Joker. Um, like he's using classic alongside, um, you know, his new stuff. So it's not like Grant Morrison. For all that people say he, you know, was just using old stuff. He created a lot. He created Doctor Hurt. He created the Black Glove. He created those three weird Batman from the pre-RIP stuff. He created. Just so many things. So I think that it's perfectly legitimate for Tynan to be creating new characters, but also trying to respect and show new parts of the old. And I think that if you don't like old stuff, why are you reading Batman? Because he's an 81 or 82-year-old character, and you're going to get stuff that's been done before. And that's just kind of part of enjoying comics, especially superhero comics, is... The history, as our illustrious founder likes to say, it is all about the history. You enjoy those references and the richness that it brings. So I would say it's it's neither one or the other. You have to have both. You have to have the new and the old mixing together. And that's what makes superhero comics great, I think. We also had, as Theo was mentioning in the news section, a hint of something strange, which is a bright white-blue bat suit that Batman finds and Tyna has spoiled on Twitter that this is actually a suit that Alfred designed. What do you think about the way the suit looks? Do you think that this could become a regular suit 
uh, why or why not? Well, so before know. before before Steph answers, yeah. let me yeah, yeah. let me let me ask this: Does this count as the new tech of the issue? I don't think he's doing that anymore. I think that was just for the nine issues of their dark designs. Gotcha. Although we did see Batman using that sort of Mission Impossible tech to climb the building, where his like gloves and boots were all sparking with their magnetism or whatever. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, electro magnetism. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, gosh well first just first thought in my mind was just a little gaudy <laughs> it's a little disco ball uh just probably because it's in such a shiny display case hopefully it won't always look like that it looks safe i mean i can tell a father figure designed it. it's covered in armor <laughs> i hope it's not a standard suit it's a little overkill I don't like the belt. It's probably my least favorite part is the belt that like V-shaped pointing to the groin belt. No, it's okay. I don't have I don't have a super opinion on it. So the first thing that popped into my head, and I know I mentioned this on the the Discord server as well, is whether or not this was going to be the suit that Luke Fox would have eventually used in the 5G world of Batman where he was supposedly supposed to take over. But that was kind of put to rest when you see where the suit also appears as one of the variant covers that's going to be coming out during during Joker War. I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Uh, Like Steph said, um, if there's anything that looks funny, it's that belt. There's no pockets. Yeah. I mean, utility belt if it has no pockets. Exactly. You know, so other than that, I don't have an issue with it. But I'm wondering if the if 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 this was gonna be the first hint of what five G Batman would have looked like had uh Didio stayed on board at DC. That was my first thought. That's I a do very... see Luke Fox as a as a more blue accent kind of guy. This this, this looks more like a Nightwing suit. Yeah. Not Nightwing. I'm sorry. Uh, Batwing suit. Bat- yeah, maybe that's what it makes me think of it as Batwing. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I think that's a really good insight. I think it's supposed to be bright on purpose because I think that Tynan is trying to point us towards hope, even though this issue is incredibly bleak, as Steph said. So I think that the the brightness of the soup is supposed to give us something to strive towards, even if it's not something we'd want to see normally. So that's sort of my take, because I think it's supposed to be exciting and bright and science fiction-y and all the things that Tynan likes to do if you've read his tech. Last question. Do you think that Punchline... How do you think the confrontation between Punchline and Batman went? No, I think it kind of skimmed at the end. I was get a little overwhelmed by the by the bleakness. I think she's very clever. I mean, she's kind of the the cleverness that they're giving Joker, but she's a little more what's the word? Fine point with it. That's not really what I'm trying to say. But she's, sadistic. She's very she's very clever. She's very sadistic. And I think she knows how to use it. She's she's got that sociopath thing going. 
I think it's all right. I think I like it when Batman runs into someone who actually challenges him. I think too often it's like, oh, I have something in my utility belt I invented two years ago to take you out, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But this is someone who's actually catching him off his guard. And I, I do, as much as I want Batman to win, I do enjoy it when it is a challenge. And it doesn't have to be like... Everything is at stake. His whole fortune. Like, that's that's okay. But like you guys have said, that's been done to death. But someone who actually makes Batman, you know, do a double take or have to actually think about things. I, I, I enjoy that. From how it's always been, Punchline, I guess, was supposed to be the anti-Holly. So instead of this quirky psychopathic clown we get this calculating sadistic still psychopathic clown you know but not Harley I think we might have to get used to to seeing punchline the way she is you know the, the people were thinking too powerful and you know maybe that's that's JT's way of of wanting to make this character last, you know, by making her an equal to Joker. You know, remember she, when, when she first came out, she wasn't, she didn't describe herself as a lackey of the Joker. She called herself his partner, you know, and maybe, maybe that's Tynan's ultimate goal is to make her as a list as possible to where she's, she's, never will be seen as a a henchman of the Joker, but someone who can survive on her own if he's never around. I think that I can see the argument that she's too powerful. We just had Batman basically steamroll through his entire rogues gallery in City of Bane. He just mm-hmm. one-shotted Hush. He one-shotted... Riddler, I mean, he just, he, he really just rolled over everybody. And I think part of that was sort of the, the timing of the arc that it was sort of compressed at the end. Um, and also, you know, he'd spent so much time preparing that I think it was supposed to show he was just ready for everybody. Whereas here, he's really off balance. And so a first time villain's able to kind of take him out, although he's not really taken out. I mean, does anyone think he actually dies because the bat plane shoots him? No, obviously not. We've got, let's see, 95 to 100. So we've got five more issues to go. But I think that you have to start an arc with Batman not winning. Otherwise, you know, you have nowhere to go. If Batman wins every mm-hmm. fight, what's the point? Now, you do have to make it difficult. And I, I like the way this worked. I think that the way Punchline beat Batman makes sense. It doesn't feel like... One of my complaints about Margaret Scott's Batgirl arc is she basically just got punched out in every fight until the last fight. And then she punches out the guy she's been losing to for the last five issues. That, I think, is bad writing. Like You have to show a progression in fights so that it's believable when something changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that we're going to see... I mean, we know Catwoman comes back, uh, solicits, and we just know because, you know, she was trapped with Penguin. And, you know, that Catwoman's not the kind of woman to just sort of let that get her down. She's going to be planning. She's she's a hero, even if an anti-hero sometimes. So we know that that's going to play a part in it. And we know that that's 
Batman being together with his family is going to be part of how he wins, which I think is great as a big fan of the Bat family. And I think that should be part of the message of Batman that he inspires us to work together. He inspires us to be heroes, not just ourselves, but with other heroes. But I, th I think that in the first issue, it's, it's kind of a waste to have your hero and your villain face off in the first issue, especially because the hero has to lose. Otherwise, there's no story because the hero beating the villain is what you're trying to build towards. So I, I don't buy that punchline is too powerful. I think that James Tynan wrote it well and that it has to happen this way for the shape of the story. So it doesn't break me from the shape of the story. And it also makes sense the way it's written. So it doesn't feel arbitrary. So what do you think we should rate Batman number 95? Well, well let me ask this if, 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 before we get to rating. Go for it. Do you think that the argument that that she's too powerful is not just coming from what we see here in 95, but all of her other appearances as well? And do you think those other appearances add to the argument? Because taking the loan, you 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 you, you Taken along with just Batman 95, you probably have a good point. But when you look at how she's portrayed in these other issues as well, you know, with, with Nightwing and even when she was in uh, Hell Arisen, it makes the point more valid. What was the one with all the tiny stories about? Was that just a random anthology? That was Joker 80th Anniversary. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I remember now. Um, I think that, and along with a lot of the other like little things she's been in, it kind of gives different sides to her madness and and her genius, I guess. And so I don't have trouble necessarily thinking that she could take Batman out this way because of all the little bits I've seen about her. And you do see, not necessarily her weaknesses, but you do see her being taken by surprise, like, if you subscribe to Patreon and listen to the Nightwing issue we will talk about, there's a scene in there where we're in Nightwing where, uh, you know, Rick stops her and, and she's take, she's surprised by that. Like, she didn't think he would do that or that, that she, he could do that. And so, you know, we do see that she isn't perfect, but we also see how sadistic and evil and uh, for, what's the word? She thinks how how much she thinks ahead and how 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 well thought out her attacks are. That I I don't have I don't think she's overpowered, but I do think she's a very strong, very formidable opponent. So uh, I think you've all raised excellent points. Why don't you, the viewers, the the listeners, chime in? How do you feel about Punchline now that we've had her with her first main show off against the Batman? In the meantime, let's give our ratings to this uh, issue. Batman number 95. Um, three and a half. Maybe three. Three. I'll give it a three. I will take your half and I will make it a three and a half. <laughs> I'm also going for a three and a half. The art alone is just so gorgeous. So even though the issue was a bit disappointing, especially after the great buildup we had in 94, I was just... It felt like not quite enough happened, as I said. Mm -hmm. But it's it's above average. Uh, and I would say above average by a good chunk. So average being 2.5, I say 3.5. So it's a full point higher than above average. 
that gives an overall rating of 3.5. Check out Scott's review on the website. And that brings us to an end of our review section. As we've been mentioning all the way through this episode, we will be recording our Patreon TBU Extra podcast on Batgirl and Nightwing, the Joker War tie-in episodes. And we'll probably be doing a lot of TBU Extra on these Joker War tie-ins because it's really relevant and we hope that you'll check it out by becoming a Patreon subscriber. We want to thank our patrons so far. So that is our Bat Fan Appreciation Wall, including Ian Miller, Rob O, Stephanie Mounts, Ed Grouse, Captain America, Johnny McCloskey, Robert Lewis, Gerald Green, Real No Deuces, Donovan Morgan Grant, Brendan Roberts, Mary Garrett, Theodis Wright, Joshua Lappin Bertoni, Tim Garassi, Stanton's Grave, Hannah Gar, Austin Davis, and Donald Townsend. Sorry to interrupt, Master Booth. Ringing your phone now. This needs my attention. We had some great listener feedback this week. Um, so, Steph, take us away with our listener feedback. Uh, so last week we asked people what their favorite cover was from that two weeks of comics. And so Chris at BTO and Bat Books said, great episode. Like Ian, I missed the 100-page Giants. I liked the Mark Russell Killer Moth story in the last Batman one. Number five, volume two. My vote for favorite cover last week was Harley Quinn number 74 by Frank Cho, the variant. Chad Jimenez said this Batman 93 variant by Francisco Matina came out last month, but it's still one of my favorites from the last few weeks. And Tsukiyakari1203 Secunda said the Gotham Knights cover for Five Little Robins or the upcoming Derek Chu Joker War variant with Cass and Steph on it. All excellent points. We want to thank everyone who... Uh, gave us feedback on the Twitter and the Discord channels. Uh, again, if you comment on any of our, our posts about the podcast, we will definitely be reading them. And we thank you for listening and engaging with us. Our question of the week this time is, what was your first experience, first time experiencing Batman? So we'll give our short answers here and hope to hear some of yours over the next two weeks. Uh, mine was watching Batman, the original 1960 series on German reruns in Austria in the 1980s. That was my first Batman. Uh, first experience with Batman, like everyone else, uh, was probably the, you know, again, Batman 66 reruns. Uh, but around that same time, I was also starting to... Uh, foray into Batman comics as well. Uh, not not deeply, because uh, I was still young and, and growing into the world of collecting, but uh, I had put my hands on a few Batman comics as well. I think this is actually really funny, because we're all different ages. We actually are not the same age. But I also... <laughs> watch reruns of the Batman <laughs> 60s TV show. And I know this because my favorite thing to do as a little kid under 10 was run around saying, na 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 Batman! That's cute. So, 
it's hilarious, but all of us were first indoctrinated into the world of Batman through that 60s TV show. Even if it isn't necessarily our favorite, it was the thing we remember first. So there you go. I am pretty I am pretty sure if we if we get to the millennials that they will probably say it was Batman 89. Or or Batman the animated series. That's a big one for uh, kids. Yeah, it is a big or, the, one or the or the animated series, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so share your answers to us on Discord or on Twitter or even on the website while we still have comments. We'd love to know and we'll definitely read it on the podcast. So, thank you for listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. I've been Ian. This is Steph. And this is Theo. And we'll be here with more Batman Universe comics in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. And now for something completely different. Okay, so this is my Jorge Menez story. Okay. So. Is it about he's the most attractive artist in DC right now? So, this is about my first time meeting Jorge Menez. Uh, my very first con out of, out of the state of Louisiana was at Boston Comic Con. It was actually the first year that Fan Expo took over. And again, it's right not too long after Rebirth. Bunch of DC guys were there. Tomasi, David Finch. David Finch was still on Batman, so that's how long ago it was. Tom King, of course, he was there with Joshua Williamson. Clay Mann was there. And so, didn't realize as I was going from table to table, I see Jimenez on one of the banners, and I'm like, wait, Jorge Jimenez is there. Oh my God, I got Tomasi's signature. I'm going to get his too. I'm going to get his too. So, I run up to the table because there's no one there right now. I said, I got to get you the sign. My super sons, I have to get you to sign this issue. And I just brought this variant cover from Tomasi. So I got to get you to sign. And he's like, well, sure, I'll be able to do that. He said, I, I, just one problem. I'm Phil. Oh, no. <laughs> Phil who? <laughs> Phil Jimenez. He's the artist on Wonder Woman and uh, oh, Superwoman. And... That's funny. So rather disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but we laughed a lot. Well, he he seems like a pretty easygoing guy, so that it was probably nice about it. Oh yeah, it ended with a. You still want me to sign it? 